Praise God. It's great to be together worshiping. Uh, Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. Mark 1, 40 to 45. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. We have a guest preacher this morning, Andrew Givens, who has preached for us before. You may remember him. He's been on staff with InterVarsity for 12 years, uh, and he is co-area director for the greater Boston area. Is that right? Yeah. And um, Andrew works to develop staff and students to help them grow in their intimacy and relationship with Jesus. Andrew's married to Caitlin, and they have a son named Kai, and we are so grateful that he is here to share the word of God with us this morning. Great. Thank you. God, thank you for Andrew. Give him your wisdom and your strength and your words this morning. Lord, speak through him and help us to hear your word as you share through him with our faith, uh, our church family this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Well, hello. <laughs> it's good to be back and good to see so many familiar faces. Um, Yes, I'm married to Caitlin. Uh, She also sends her greetings, but with our son, uh, we had to tag team today. So she is with him right now at home. And then right after this, I get home, and then I watch him as she prepares for our church service, which is tonight. So uh, it's such a joy to be able to come here this morning, and she sends her love and her greetings with you. So I, I didn't realize like this would be the first in-person gathering in the past four weeks, so I feel extra honored <laughs> to be here and speak on that time, um, and honored to be part, uh, kind of intruding on Daniel's uh, disease sermon series. <laughs> um, but hopefully I think what God has for us today will actually be part of what he's been leading uh, you all through um, in your times together. So... I don't know about y'all, but this COVID reality is uh, still present. COVID reality is still a term. I mean, it's an actual term now. Um, Was not a term over three years ago. None of us even thought it was something to even think about. But it is now the reality we live in. Probably many of us have had to social distance at one point or wear masks or still wear masks. I still wear masks on public transportation things like that. Some of us even probably got COVID, had to recover, had to rest, quarantine, the whole nine yards. I think during the past couple years with COVID, 
uh, it has brought to light a lot more of just the nature of disease in general. Something that uh, being in my mid-30s, not something I necessarily think of that often, uh, but actually something that God has been opening my eyes to a lot more. But I think with it has also come him opening my eyes to a lot more of his compassion and his response to disease in general. And so this morning, I believe, well, not I believe, we are <laughs> going to dive into Mark 1, where we're going to see how Jesus is going to show us more of his response, his compassion towards disease, and how there's healing for today. Healing for today. So, let's get into it. Ooh, it's a little tiny, but <laughs> it is Mark 1, and the first verse starts with this. A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So to give a little context of what's going on with this first verse, right before this in the first chapter of Mark, Jesus is starting his public ministry. He proclaims his thesis, if you per se, uh, the, um, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. He calls his first disciples, and then he does a bunch of supernatural things. He starts delivering people from oppression and demons. He starts healing the sick, and then he starts healing more people. So for a leprous man to come to him and beg to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean, must mean that this man had heard about Jesus that Jesus' name was becoming so well-known that even someone in his circumstance, a leprous man, which would have, he would have been in complete, probably, isolation, had even heard of this Jesus. And what he had heard was so compelling to make him risk everything to come to him and ask him to be made clean. Now, to understand how risky this would have been is to understand a little bit of the Mosaic Law, Bear with me, this is not going to be the whole teaching of the Mosaic Law. Praise the Lord for y'all and me. But I, the longer I've been following Jesus, the more I've actually appreciated the Mosaic Law. But that's a whole sermon for another, for another time. But the two things I want to highlight about the Mosaic Law is, one, that there was a law in, re, in regards to people with leprosy. And that they had to actually stay outside the camp or the towns where the people of Israel lived. This wasn't to be malicious but it was actually to try to care for the community at large to keep the community from being devastated from this disease. This may be a little weird for us to understand because we have soap and antibiotics, but they did not. And so something like leprosy, potentially a skin disease that would be very contagious and devastating, had to be um, quarantined. And so, a person with leprosy like this man would most likely living in isolation. Probably away from everyone he knew and loved, probably outside of the town limits itself, or in within the town, a very dark corner that no one went to. So for this man to hear that Jesus heals must have been so striking for him to come out of that isolation and to approach him. The second thing I want to mention about the Mosaic Law that helps us understand this passage is what the law pointed to spiritually. 
It wasn't just to help with physical ailments like leprosy or instructions thereof, but it was actually to point to a greater theme of what God was doing with his people, this theme that you see over and over again of clean and unclean. Clean and unclean. A lot of times I naturally think hygiene, but let's not think hygiene, although there were some instructions around that. But it was more around speaking about the spiritual reality that God is holy. Completely other, perfect, powerful, beautiful, in other words, clean. Think of your most favorite attribute about God and why we probably love those things about God is actually deeply tied to his nature of being holy. And so if we love God's love, you can't detach it from him being holy. If you love his justice, his righteousness, his goodness, you can't detach it from his state of being of holy. But yet God being loving and loving his people wanted to dwell with his people who were unclean, not holy, quite tainted with this thing, as we, many of us may know, as sin, selfishness. And so the law was put in place to help a holy, not help, but to instruct an unclean, sinful people to be in, in relationship with a holy and good God. So even this man's leprosy and being removed from community actually pointing to the spiritual reality that humanity needs to be at a distance from God because we are too unclean. So we see the utter desperation of this man, I think, in greater light with this context. He comes to Jesus, falls on his knees, and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And I think, actually, sometimes, desperation, as we see with this man, can be the beginnings of great faith. So this man comes to Jesus despite his uncleanliness. Then we see Jesus' response. It first says that Jesus was indignant. Other translations would say compassion or pity. And I think the further I studied this, the more I found like a combination of these words found, <laughs> not, found to be a little more accurate, for me at least. Because I think a combination of compassion and indignation shows that Jesus saw this man and had a compassion that was so deep, it was felt in his gut. A gut-wrenching compassion. That seeing this man's condition brought about this deep gut-wrenching compassion in the beginnings of a holy anger toward what this man was going through because of it. pointing to that this sickness, illness, disease, the ramifications of it are not what God intended. And his gut-wrenching compassion and holy anger toward the suffering shows that this is not what God intended. And then we see another radical thing. He reached out his hand and touched him before he healed the man. Now, this would have been absolutely shocking because of the context we talked about earlier. Absolutely shocking to the readers to touch this man who's quite infectious already and to make him, Jesus, to make himself 
unclean by touching this man. Jesus had just started his public ministry. He was actually kind of putting that at risk, touching this man. He would not be welcomed into towns. He would not be seen as someone who could uh, be ministering to people or draw near because he was unclean. And yet we see Jesus reach out his hand and touch him. The other thing I want to highlight about the touch is that this is Jesus' chosen method of healing this man. If you read the Gospels, this is a fun activity, maybe summer, maybe weekend, read one, read a Gospel, and look at how many ways Jesus heals people. It's quite diverse. A lot of times he just speaks and they're healed. But this time, it's very intentional, he touches him. Jesus wanted to heal him through touching him. And I think it's because of what touch would have communicated to this man. It would have shown Jesus' love and acceptance of him. It would have shown Jesus' willingness to associate with an unclean, isolated, outcast person. And not even that, not just associate, but actually take that on himself with the risk of not being able to continue what he started. It would also speak that this man is no longer separated or isolated anymore. And in big picture, Jesus is speaking a much greater theme, his thesis in Mark 1, that the kingdom has come near. That God has come close once more. So let's take a moment. I know, we've only gotten to like two sentences. (laughs) Don't worry, the rest will speed up. But imagine you're a leper. Imagine if you were in this man's shoes. Maybe for some of us, we have felt that, quite literally. Isolated, outcast, your community, your family, your loved ones, all separated from you. You couldn't go out in public freely. You couldn't worship at the temple. You couldn't work. Your whole life was consumed by this disease And so much so that you probably were already identifying it as who you are. You don't just have leprosy. You are a leper without a name. And then Jesus comes and touches you. When was the last time you felt someone's touch? The meaning behind it, the risk Jesus put himself to do it the love and acceptance it communicates. That Jesus speaking, I'm drawing near to you even though you are unclean. I imagine it'd probably be quite life-changing for us and maybe it has been. And as we see, it is quite life-changing for this man. So I feel like I could just like, period, stop. Jesus just like walked away. (laughs) His whole life is different. But he goes further, because our good God likes to go further with his goodness. Amen? He says, I am willing. Be clean. In essence, speaking God's heart and posture towards this disease. I am willing to make you clean. And the man is instantly healed on the spot. Next, we see the last part of our passage, an interesting instruction from Jesus. A strong warning to say, see that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests 
and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded of for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So what is Jesus doing here? Well, probably a lot of things we don't have time to do, but one is he does not want to reveal himself quite yet that he is the Savior and God in the flesh because of his good and righteous timing. So that's a part of it. But I think another part of what he's saying with the Mosaic law is that there's actually a law written about how a leper, if healed, can be reintegrated into Jewish society which is both for the care of the person with leprosy, but also a call to the community to you have to welcome them back. And so Jesus is giving this instruction to this man to help him reintegrate back into the Jewish society. And on the indirect, showing that he's God. (laughs) Kind of slide that in there. And the way he does that is because no one could heal leprosy back then unless it was a divine act of God himself. But then we see the man doesn't listen. (laughs) He goes, he tells everyone, and as a result, Jesus cannot go into the towns openly, but stayed outside in lowly places. So my friends, I think one thing Mark is trying to emphasize with this one statement is to say that where the leper had been staying and outside lonely places, Jesus has now taken his spot. That when Jesus gave this man healing, in return, he received isolation. In return, he took this man's isolation on himself. I believe what we see in this passage is a glimpse of how God in Jesus responds to our diseases, our physical and our spiritual ones. Our physical uncleanliness and our spiritual uncleanliness. That first, like this man, we're actually encouraged, invited, actually desired, called to draw near to Jesus, to come to Jesus despite whatever uncleanliness we have. And when we do so, we start to see Jesus' heart toward us in our uncleanliness, whether physical or spiritual, his compassion, his willingness to touch us, to heal us, to draw near. And with that wonderful statement, I am willing, be clean. And what we see for us as well is that when Jesus extends his hand to give healing, both physically and spiritually, in return, he received the ultimate isolation. The distance that we have all been feeling when we've been separated from God at one point, he took that on himself. Quite literally. Nailed to a tree outside of town limits like a criminal abandoned by his closest followers, betrayed by the people he came to save, receiving the ultimate isolation. Jesus takes our uncleanliness on himself. He takes our sin, our selfishness, the distance that it causes us between, between us and God and us and each other, He takes that all on himself, the ultimate barrier between God dwelling with his people 
in order to make us clean. To make us in a similar nature so that God can dwell with his people. I believe that this isn't just something that happened 2,000 years ago, but it's actually something that he continually does in our lives each and every day. That Jesus continually extends healing to us, either spiritually and physically, as well as continuously draws us closer to himself, despite our uncleanliness. And all of that is possible because of what he's done on the cross taking on that himself, putting it to death, and giving us the healing and the cleanliness we need to dwell with God. So he's not just doing it back then, not just spiritually, not just physically, back then, 2,000 years ago, as we see in this text. But he does it today. And I want to tell you one of these examples of a former student of mine named Tim. When I was on staff in varsity down in North Carolina, Tim was part of the track team. He wasn't a Christian, but he started coming to university events and started to have some encounters with Jesus that made him rethink if this was real. He came to our end-of-year retreat where he was a part of a teaching session around Jesus' healing. Now, one of my core leaders came with him to that session, Kyle. And Kyle had a really terrible toe injury. I mean, it was pretty nasty. It's like smelly, and he couldn't walk, and there was cuts, and I don't know what happened to it, but it was gross. (laughs) I mean, he's fine with me sharing this. (laughs) It was gross, and it was like causing quite pain and shame for him. And so during this session, in the time of prayer, I felt the Holy Spirit nudge me to tell Tim to pray for healing for Kyle. Tim's not a Christian. Yeah, (laughs) that was scary. (laughs) So I tell Tim this. He looks at me shocked, bewildered, as he should. But then he does. He just saw Jesus lay... a hand on someone and prayed healing, and so he did the same thing. And Kyle's toe was instantly healed. Instantly. He took his shoe off in the middle of the session. Despite the smell, the toe was completely healed. He could walk. He was standing. He was jumping on it all in the middle of the session. Kyle was erupting in joy, praising God. Tim looked at me with great fear. (laughs) What just happened? So I talked with Tim after the session, and he just starts crying. I'm like, Tim, what's going on? He's like, Andrew, well, he called me Drew. Drew, I don't know why Jesus would want to use me to heal Kyle. I'm too dirty. This is literally what he said. I'm too dirty. 
My past is too full of ungodly things. I've done some terrible stuff. My life is not good enough. Why would Jesus want to heal Kyle through me? And I look at Tim, and I'm like, Tim, what you are tasting is the gospel. Jesus was doing this, yes, to love Kyle, but also to love you. (coughs) To show you that actually you aren't too messed up for Jesus. You aren't too dirty. Your past has actually been accounted for by what he has done on the cross for you. And so you can actually start a new life with Jesus and, and I imagine, probably bringing God's healing to so many people who need it. Tim just weeps. Later that night, our our community, our fellowship, does a call to faith. And Tim, among three others, was one of the first people to stand up to surrender his life and begin following Jesus. And he says that that moment of healing Kyle and our conversation afterward was what tipped the scale for him that Jesus really is real, that he is God, and that he has come to bring about a new way of living, the kingdom of God, that is also for him. I share this story to highlight the two things I think we're seeing from this passage that Jesus does want to give, I believe, a spiritual healing to every and anyone who comes to him. Like Tim paying the cost himself and giving Tim a new way of living, he does that for each of us. But I also believe he does it physically too. That there are times that Jesus will heal supernaturally, physically, on this side of heaven. And that is showing that he is real, that he is good, and that the kingdom of God has come near. So is God's healing for us today? Yes, without a doubt. That the healing Jesus gives us spiritually unites us to God, taking our uncleanliness upon himself to make us clean, new people, a new family with God and each other, But he also does that sometimes, physically, supernaturally, healing on this side of heaven to show that the kingdom of God has come near and that this Jesus is God himself. So as we go about our week, I encourage us to reflect just on two questions. Where in our lives do we feel too unclean to come to Jesus? Will you take the risk this week and bring that to him? And secondly, where in our lives are we being invited by Jesus to join in his healing work for others? Will you take that risk? And maybe pray healing for someone. Let me pray. Jesus, you offer healing to us 
now, not just 2,000 years ago as we read in this passage, but also for today. And there's a, you offer it to us spiritually with what you have done on the cross and uniting us back to God, having a final say, a final payment to our uncleanliness, our selfishness, so that we can live as children of God, brothers and sisters of each other, part of your great and beautiful and powerful work of the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven. But there are times also you offer that physically. And I think every time Jesus, but you heal physically on this side of heaven, you are pointing to the ultimate healing that is coming, which is when God will dwell with people once in full, where heaven and earth will become one, where there will be no more pain or sickness or disease or isolation or oppression or outcasting or COVID. And we will be able to dwell in the fullness of the resurrected bodies that you give us out of your great love and mercy and justice. May we walk in the power of this truth this week. Pray this in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.